friends, and welcome to another Rod Tucker Says Podcast. I am here again with one of my favorite people in the entire world, the one of the only one of the vice presidents of Children's Hope Chest, Will Crooks. Did I get it correct that time? Well, you said only, and again, it's one of the many. But you're the only in my heart. Yeah, that works. That works. Will's the only vice president in my heart. We're sitting in his office. We were going to do an interview this morning with a uh, an awesome young man who was an ex-child soldier in Uganda for the Lord's Resistance Army. And, and, and every time, we've done a couple of these interviews, every time we've talked to him, my heart breaks. It's been really powerful just hearing his story. You've heard it several times over, but there's something that it does to you deep inside. Yeah, each and every time. Uh, the first time I heard the story was about six years ago, and he had just uh, had recently escaped from the Lord's Resistance Army. Man. And to see him today mm-hmm. is a complete and utter uh, transformation. And he recently got married, uh, had a baby, and he's been following the Lord. And I tell you, it is a powerful, powerful thing when uh, when you're able to escape something and live again yeah. in freedom. Yeah, I I like that you use the statement "following the Lord." And at the same time, sometimes I cringe a little bit because Christians who listen to people talk about the darkness that others have lived in, and then we throw a term out like, but they got saved, Mm -hmm. Um, then us as Christians, we just shut it all off and say, oh, they got saved. Nothing else matters. Um, But this man has been through some of the heaviest stuff that I have ever heard. Mm-hmm. in my entire life. If you don't know anything about the Lord's Resistance Army or you've never heard the name Joseph Coney, I would just ask you to think Child Soldier. And um, there's even a new Netflix video that just came out called Beasts of No Nation that I would encourage you to watch without your children. But man, powerful stuff. And, and this man came out of that. And what I noticed in all of it was he entered into something very heavy. When we talk to him now, it seems pretty light in the sense that he's embraced forgiveness. And so you say, now he's following the Lord. It's not like he's freed from hell. It's he's embraced a kingdom that is far greater than any of the darkness that he could have ever, uh, you know, we could ever imagine. Yeah, I think when we heard you know, some of his story before he was even captured is we heard he had a dependence on the Lord mm-hmm. beyond going to church. For survival. For survival. Yeah. If the Lord didn't show up, he would die just based on the culture in Africa. Yeah. But he he knew something was about to happen Yeah. that day, remember? Yeah. And then when his uncle came the to him, captured. the day he was captured, yeah. and when his uncle came to him, he asked, is this a prophecy? Hmm. So he followed the Lord back then. Mm-hmm. When he was captured, his language was, uh, Lord, your will be done. Lord, protect me. Yeah. So I think the when I say then he began to follow the Lord after the escape, is maybe it's 
he continued to follow the Lord because in the midst of some of the most grotesque things we've ever heard. Mm -hmm. And that he committed. That he didn't lose that relationship and was able to forgive. That's the power to me. Yeah. And, and and what stand that that's super powerful. And what stands out to me is that um, he was eleven. He was eleven years old. So when I say and stuff that he committed, I'm not, we're talking about a deep, deep darkness that he had to come out of, mm-hmm. and a man who had strategically manipulated many children, and all of a sudden this young man has come out of it, following the Lord, entering into the radical call of Jesus to forgive. And it's just, it's, it is just powerful, powerful, powerful stuff. So there's a little bit of a glimpse of yeah. what Will and I do on a regular basis as we, we Skype people from Africa yeah. and we interview them about yeah. their lives. It, isn't it crazy? I, I sometimes struggle to forgive someone that cuts me off in traffic. I sometimes struggle to forgive the person I hold the door open for that doesn't say thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, I got something that, that riles me up inside. Yeah. And the things that we've been talking about, the dark, dark things that he went through that he was a part of, and then to look at his captor and say, I, I forgive you. I forgive you because Christ forgave me. Yeah. That's a deep understanding. It's a deep understanding. It reminds me of Corey Ten Boom. Saw her sister yep. killed in the Holocaust by a specific man. Years later, was doing a a conference on forgiveness, and that same man who had killed her sister came up and said, "Will you forgive me?" And she just talks about that five seconds being an eternity for her. And he stuck his hand out to shake it, and she said, "I stuck my cold, stiff hand out." And the moment our skin touched, everything inside me melted. Mm. And I had the love of Jesus for him. That's what we're talking about this morning. And I wanted to jump into, Will, Isaiah 55 with you. Because I think it leads into not only this idea of forgiveness, but what makes it possible um, for us to embrace this kind of a lifestyle and then our role after we've experienced that grace. So I'm just going to read the beginning of Isaiah 55. Many of you listening have heard it before, but it says, Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And then it just just freezes me right there. Because my question becomes... If God is saying, come all who are thirsty and all who are hungry, come all who have no money, and then he says, come buy, come purchase, come make an exchange with me, it makes me think, why on earth would he want us buying something if we have no money? Why wouldn't he say, come and Come and get this for free mm-hmm. because you don't have any money. That's one thing that happens in North America all the time. Come and get this for free because you have no money. And I prayed about it. I spent some time praying about it. And I just felt like I got this clarity on this verse that God does require an exchange. And the exchange is a is a very different currency than what we have 
in our culture and the way that we understand buying things. The exchange for God's kingdom is you pay with your thirst and I quench your thirst. I don't leave you thirsty. I don't give you something for free and leave you thirsty. You have to actually give me your thirst and I will quench it. You have to give me your hunger and I will fill, fill you. And something like that just 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 stands out to me because it's it, it, it embraces an eternal quality that's like what on earth is happening and so you know Christians really like this idea of spiritualizing things and so we say give God my anxiety and he'll give me peace give him my pain and he'll give me healing give him my abuse and he'll give me forgiveness and and those are true things and those are things that we even witnessed with John, but it also takes on a super physical element. And and I wonder sometimes if we just skip over the physical to get to the spiritual, because the spiritual is about us, because we're the ones without the physical needs. I don't I don't know what type of thoughts you have on all of that, or if you want to go back like 10 minutes, but there's a lot packed into Isaiah 55 right here. Come to me, all who are thirsty, all who have no money, come and buy, come and purchase. Mm-hmm. I think there's two thoughts. The first thought that I have is if you have nothing and God is inviting you to buy, you have no money, come and buy. Yeah. In other words, there's something there that is either supernatural or it's veiled to 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 you and I. Though I have something that's have that has worth or mm-hmm. God is that's right giving me something that has worth. You got it. Secondly is I think and I like the word exchange. Yeah. And from the beginning there's been an exchange between God and humanity. The kingdom exchange. Yeah. There's a relationship in the exchange. There's a uh, there's a contract, there's a trust, there's something that is built in the exchange. Yeah. And so God is a relational God. He's not a distant God. Yeah. And so he invites us into the exchange. We move away from this concept, this very early historical concept that that Plato, the philosopher, came up with, that God was the unmoved mover. He was separated from us. He was unmoved, but he would just kind of move things around, and there was no relationship whatsoever. And so we hear God say, you have nothing. You are weak. Come to me. Give me yourself. And in exchange, I will give you all of myself. But unless you can give me all of yourself, we can't we can't do this thing because you're not going to be able to to keep all of yourself and get all of me because you're it, it, it's it's going to be like you're still thirsty, still coming back for more, still coming back for more, still coming back for more. For me, this is a process, man. This is a tough thing because I want to give God my my spiritual thirst and hunger, and at the same time. Um, I, I, I find myself still thirsty. So what would you say, I guess, to somebody who's, who's coming back again and again and again saying, I get it, yeah, God wants my hunger, God wants my thirst, I don't have any money, I get it, I'm, on, I'm not enough. He wants my anxiety, he wants my depression, and then he's going to fill me up. But yeah, I get it, but practically, how, do, how the heck does this play out? Because it frustrates me 
to no end. Yeah. I think the first part is as important as the second part is the awareness of the lack. Mm-hmm. That's good. And I think secondly, once you have the awareness, you can deal and walk and learn in that reality. And so knowing that there will be a coming to the Lord, knowing that there will be an exchange and knowing that the Lord is the one that set up the exchange. Mm -hmm. And so you're almost preparing your heart in your life for an exchange. An exchange. Yeah. And, and we want it now. We want the button. We want to hit it. You know, everything in my life be perfect. And, mm -hmm. and, and we want to push that. And, and not acknowledging God is making, uh, God is allowing me to become more hungry and more thirsty so that I can reach the point where that exchange actually happens. That's good. Now let's take off the the North American twist of over-spiritualizing everything, if I can say that. Mm -hmm. I think we over-spiritualize everything because we don't really relate. In this verse, there's great potential that we take on the role of God. Come to me, all who are thirsty. Come to me, all who are hungry. You who have no money, come and buy and eat. There are starving people in the world. There are children who are living in dumps, just just ravaging for food, you know, like scavenging, not ravaging, scavenging for food. There are children who are out there being trafficked. We know these things, and sometimes we go, um, yeah, I can kind of glaze over that thought if I can think, do they know the Lord? Do they know the Lord? I just want people to know the Lord. But we avoid the thought of I get to be someone who can offer an exchange, who can communicate to someone, you do have something to offer. You bring this to me, and I will help meet your needs. What is that thing, what is that switch, I guess, that we need to make as North American Christians, as North Americans, just to say, I want to be a part of meeting someone's needs, someone who can't buy something, giving, the opportunity, giving them the opportunity to buy something. The word that really jumps out to me is relationship. Mm -hmm. Because in the exchange, there's relationship. And when we come in and give versus exchange, yeah, you radically alter the relationship. To what? To somebody is more dominant, somebody is patriarchal, somebody is in charge, somebody is submissive. Mm-hmm. In the relationship. Dependent. Dependent. Mm -hmm. I hear doctor-patient relationship. Mm -hmm. As long as I'm the doctor and yep. you're the patient, you have to be sick in order for me to be in relationship with you. And I have to have the answer in order for me to be in relationship with you. That's exactly right. But if you can come to me, if I can communicate to you, child or hungry person, thirsty person, naked person, poverty like you and I've never experienced, that our friend had experienced in much deeper than you and I could ever possibly imagine. If if we're able to go to our friends, our neighbors, as Jesus said, and, and say, here is the thing that you have to offer to me. You have to offer me 
your life. Jesus asked for our life, and we can go to people and ask for their life. Not for like direct and just unashamed obedience, but for relationship. I want to be friends with you. I want to have a relationship with you. And out of that, your freedom will become tied up with my freedom, and I will then begin to care for you with my resources, and you'll begin to care for me with your resources. And my resources are stuff and things and money that have kept me from relationship with people, and your resources are relationship with people with the lack of the things that can actually help you survive. We're not even talking about living life to the fullest. We're just talking about survival. And when we bridge those two things together, the resources with the relationship, we can learn this huge truth about relationship that is um, what life is all about. Some people, some scholars have said, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, relationship. God established that as a premise for all of creation. And so we're gaining something that is so powerful that we've been avoidant from. And all we're giving is our weak kind of little stuff, resources, in exchange for that. Which makes me think, if I can just keep ranting for, or rambling for five more seconds, that Jesus is right. And I know it's funny to say that Jesus is right when he says, I was the hungry one. I was the thirsty one. I was the naked one when you came and gave to me the, the parable of the sheep and the goats. And we're saying, Lord, where were you? And he says, when you gave a thirsty person something to drink, that was me. We're not only experiencing relationship with our new neighbors and our new friends. When we go to those places, we're experiencing relationship with Jesus. And it moves so much further and deeper than a quiet time mm -hmm. off in my corner. It moves to I'm experiencing Jesus because he was that person who had relationship and that was all that person had to offer me. He was that person and it was and it became enough. If change and transformation is the light from a light bulb, the relationship is the electricity mm -hmm. that turns it on. Mhm. Mm and just as you said, who Jesus was, and that's where I think in the Beatitudes, that's the richness of flipping the kingdom upside down on who truly is blessed yeah. because of the presence um, of, of the Lord. And Jesus would say, come to me, mm -hmm. all who are weary, yeah. who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Yeah. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is, is light. And so there's an invitation yeah. for the weary and the burdened right. to make an exchange and to build the relationship. And Jesus dives into quoting Isaiah. Come, he, He's not saying, come all who are thirsty. He's saying, come to me, mm -hmm. all who are weary and heavy laden. And in that exchange, I, 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 I hear him saying, Rod and Will, acknowledge your poverty and exchange your poverty, which is garages and houses full of stuff. Exchange that. Get rid of it. Like he said to the rich young ruler, get rid of that so that you can experience relationship with someone who might need that. 
And when you can enter into that realm, you are all of a sudden experiencing salvation. Can I go as far as to say you're experiencing salvation based on Jesus saying, whatever you did for, for what your culture considered the least of these, you did for me. Mm-hmm. And again, when you, when you set up, when you do it dysfunctionally mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, non-spiritual realm, the condescending way, mm-hmm. you need me, mm-hmm. but I don't need you. Right. It becomes then about the giver. Mm-hmm. The one who has. Mm-hmm. It remains there. Yeah. Because if I can save or rescue, then who's the hero in the story? You are. That's right. I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why exchange levels the playing field. You have something that I need. I have something that you need. Right. And we have a very difficult, difficult time understanding that someone else might have something that we need. That's right. Unless they're a psychologist or a counselor or a doctor, and we enter into that doctor-patient relationship. But to look at someone who has less stuff than us and actually believe that they have something that we need is a very difficult transition to make. So the challenge for us, I guess, today, Will, thank you so much for being a part of this. Um is to recognize our own poverty, that we are the thirsty ones and we're the hungry ones. And the thing that God is blessing us with to be able to purchase relationship with others and with Him is by um, getting rid of our stuff and our junk and our reality and our, and, and, our, and our experiences of I am better than someone who has less than me, because we're not. So come to me, all who are filled with stuff, who have their garages full, but feel depressed and lonely and anxious all the time because they can't get enough. Come to me, all who feel like life is just getting harder and harder and harder, no matter how much you accumulate. Come and buy. Come and spend that stuff. Come and spend that anxiety. Come and spend that depression and give to the poor, and in return, I will give you relationship like you have never experienced before. And Will, you've known this man who we're interviewing, um, who was a child soldier for much longer than I have, and anything that you have given him, buying bus tokens to get him back and forth, or um, paying for pictures of his children, so that, so that you can have children, and he, he, you can have pictures of his new baby, or he can have a picture of his new baby, or any physical needs that, it, that needed met at the time, what would you say the difference is in the exchange rate of God's kingdom there, what you've given this man versus what he's given you? It's absolutely equal. Um... The, the the money in my exchange is an opportunity for me to experience the richness of faith, the richness of story and testimony, the richness of a true dependence on the Lord, hmm. a richness of relationship from a different 
um, from a di- in in a different culture. Yeah, the richness of understanding forgiveness in joy at the deepest level. Yeah, that's powerful. That's good. And for me, it's like if I can gain relationship and get rid of stuff, then I can truly begin to embrace this idea that Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light because you don't have all this stuff that you got to carry around with you that causes anxiety and that causes depression and that causes stuff. You don't have to carry it around with you anymore, but instead you get to experience relationship in its purest form with someone who just loves you. And at the end of time, you'll realize that that hungry person, that thirsty person, was actually me, was actually Jesus himself. That's right. We're talking about the gospel. We're talking about the gospel this morning, people. Thank you for listening. You guys are awesome. Um, Try to get another Rod Tucker Says podcast up next week. If you want to know anything about what's going on, check on the Rod Tucker Facebook page or Twitter or, you know, some weird new social media site that pops up that I haven't figured out how to use. And, it, you know, honestly, if you really want to get involved in a relationship with a child that can offer you so much more, in my opinion, than what you could offer them resource-wise um, in giving you relationship and unconditional love, I would challenge you to go to hopechest.org. Is that it? Hopechest.org. And just start a relationship with a kid. We're not talking about just sponsoring and money. We're talking about letters and maybe potential visits. And we're talking about building a relationship that will change your life forever. Do that. Try that. Give it a shot and see if God flips your world upside down so that it is right side up with his kingdom. Thank you for listening. Go in peace. I look forward to talking with you again.